Well, hello, my friends. The grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. I want to welcome you to the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach each and every Sunday are uploaded for you to listen to and review. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. God bless. Our sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. We are in the ninth chapter. And we'll take a look at verses 2 through 9. Again, this is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Hear now these words. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the Beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this past week, I had another one of my Reynolds program in church leadership classes. I think we talked about this a couple of months ago. We meet each day for most of the day all week, and we spent most of this week talking about conflict and change and the way that we, after getting a good understanding of our personalities and inclinations, can be better prepared to address conflicts and change that may arise in our churches. One of the sessions that we had revolved around listening. Turns out that listening, really listening, is hard work. Listening is not the same as hearing because we can hear and what we hear goes in one ear and out the other. If there's one thing that seems to get in the way of most relationships, be they friendships or relationships with our spouses, relationships even with coworkers, is that we don't listen. The frustration of not being listened to almost always leads to a particular relationship breaking up. We learned in class that there's actually three different kinds of listening. First, you have half listening, which is when we pay attention some, and we also tune out some. Half listening occurs when we're distracted by other things, whether it be the television or our iPhones or our tablets or whatever it may be. Half listening is also when we're focused more on what we're getting ready to say as opposed to what the other person is saying. We're simply waiting for that space where we can jump in and talk and we're not really listening to what the other person is saying. That's half listening. Well, then you have word listening, which is when we actually hear the words being said, but not the meaning behind them. And in doing so, we miss the significance of the message. Word listening is when we respond with logic only. And we fail to 
take into account maybe some of the emotions and things that may not be logical, but are nevertheless very real. That's word listening. And then finally, there's active listening. We talked about this in seminary as well. Active listening is ignoring all distractions, ignoring all that's going on around you, ignoring even the speaker's quirky inclinations, if they have any. Active listening is focusing on the message, seeking to understand the underlying intent and the ideas around it. Active listening is making eye contact and being aware of body language. It's acknowledging the emotions that are involved and responding appropriately and thoughtfully to those emotions. So I think it's significant in our story this morning that at Jesus' transfiguration up on the mountain, the voice of the Father speaks from the cloud and says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. What the Lord God is calling us to do, friends, this morning is not half listening or word listening, but active listening that leads to active living as disciples of the Lord Jesus. On this Transfiguration Sunday, friends, we are urged simply to listen to him. So today is a day of mystery and majesty. We're on the top of a mountain and there's a cloud, there's a voice we travel with Peter and James and John up the mountain, and for a fleeting moment, we get a glimpse of the blinding, transcendent glory that belongs to Jesus as the eternal Son of God. Everything in the first half of Mark's gospel leads up to Peter's confession about Jesus that he makes in the previous chapter when Peter says, You are the Messiah. And we need to stop there, I think, for a moment, because... You may have noticed that our reading this morning began with three words, six days later. Those words beg the question to be asked, what happened those six days prior to the transfiguration? Well, six days prior to the transfiguration, Jesus asked his disciples a penetrating question. He asked them, who do the people say that I am? And the disciples gave him various answers. Some say you are John the Baptist, they said. Others say that you are Elijah. Still others say that you're just a prophet. Then Jesus asks his disciples, okay, well, who do you say that I am? And this is when Peter answers, you are the Messiah. This confession of Jesus as Messiah made by Peter leads then to Jesus sharing with his disciples about his impending death and resurrection. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day were all certainly waiting for a Messiah. They believed that the coming Messiah would be an anointed leader sent by God to deliver God's people, to punish God's enemies, and to establish God's kingdom, inaugurating an era of prosperity and peace. In short, they believed that this Messiah would throw off the yoke of Roman oppression and reestablish the Davidic kingdom with Israel triumphant over all. That was an incorrect understanding of the Messiah's mission. So Jesus felt the need to correct this misunderstanding. Yes, he had come to save his people. Yes, he had come to defeat their enemies. Yes, he had come to establish his kingdom. But he had come to save them from their sin, not from Roman domination. He had come to defeat the enemy of their souls, not their earthly enemies. 
He had come to establish a spiritual kingdom, not an earthly kingdom as commonly understood. And in order to accomplish that mission, he had to suffer, die, and rise again. Jesus had to die in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. He had to be buried in our place to defeat the devil in his dark domain. He had to rise in our place to raise us from the dead. He had to ascend into heaven to open heaven for us. Yes, Jesus was the Messiah, and he was on a saving mission, but his mission will require suffering, death, burial, and then resurrection. And that was a message the disciples did not want to hear. They didn't want to hear about a suffering and a dying Messiah. Rather, they wanted to hear about a triumphant and conquering Christ. And we read that Peter began to rebuke Jesus. You see, Peter heard what Jesus said, but he didn't really listen. He didn't get it. But we're too, before we are too hard on Peter, let's all readily admit that we, have, we wouldn't have done any better if we had been in Peter's sandals. But then Jesus continues and clarifies for the disciples that they and we are called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. That's a lot to take in and process. Think about how the disciples must have felt at that moment. You know how it is. I mean, we can only listen for so long and then we just can't take it anymore. We've all been in situations where we've heard and heard and heard and you reach the point of being full and so you need something different to focus on. So Jesus decides to take some of the boys for a hike. It is six days after this conversation that they went up with Jesus up a high mountain by themselves. And there they became eyewitnesses to an unbelievable sight. Jesus is transfigured before them, flanked by those towering figures of the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, who represent the law and the prophets, both of which find their fulfillment and completion in the person of Christ Jesus. The original word for transfiguration is, is metamorphosis, to be transformed or changed. It is here that Jesus' true nature as the eternal Son of God is at last revealed, breaking through the exterior of his outward human nature, not unlike how a lowly caterpillar undergoes a metamorphosis and is transformed into a beautiful butterfly. It was amazing and it was astounding. Imagine what that would have looked like. Wouldn't we have been rendered tongue-tied, speechless at such a sight? Well, not Peter. <laughs> Peter being Peter, he blurts out, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. We should make three dwellings. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. But it's then out of this mysterious cloud that appears that the Father's voice is heard, just as it was heard at Jesus' baptism by John at the Jordan River. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus' sonship is affirmed once more there on the mountaintop, reminding the disciples and reminding us of exactly who he is 
And then there's this addition to those words first uttered at his baptism. Listen to him. Listen to him. And just like that, it's over. The mystery and majesty are suddenly gone, and only Jesus is there. The question for us, friends, is simply, will we listen to him or rebuke him like Peter when he says something maybe that we don't want to hear? Not just half listening or word listening, but active listening. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will lead, be led to active living as well. We live with a lot of distractions in our lives that can make it really hard to listen to Jesus. There are all kinds of other voices around us and they're all crying out to us. Hey, look over here. Pay attention to me. Listen to me. Look at me. The electronic devices that enable us to be connected and listen to one another can also prevent us from being present and actively listening to others. But as important as it is to listen to others, it is even more important to listen to the Lord. As we prepare to enter into the 40-day Lenten season in the week ahead, this is a great opportunity for all of us to really look at our own lives and how we are listening or maybe not listening to the Lord. It goes without saying that most of us have not had that mountaintop experience that Peter, James, and John had with the, the, the mysterious cloud and hearing the Father's audible voice. But even if that's the case, are we giving opportunity for the Lord to speak to us? Are we putting ourselves in a position to where he can speak to us? Are we making space and allowing time in our overly busy and overly scheduled lives for this? This is a call for each and every one of us to be in the word of God, individually as well as in groups, so that the Lord may indeed speak to us through his word. The written word of scripture makes known to us the living word, the word made flesh, Christ Jesus. That word, friends, has the power to change lives, helping us to sort out what is important and what is not. I read a quote this week that Martin Luther said this about Scripture. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. Are you allowing the word to speak to you? To run after you? To lay a hold of you? You know, when all is said and done, our listening is imperfect and flawed on our best day. I mean, don't try to talk to me during a Carolina game because I'm, <laughs> I see even less than half listening, truthfully. We often hear what we want to hear and then we don't hear what we don't want to hear. You know what I'm saying? In our world where there is so much talking and so little listening, our hope, friends, is in Jesus who listened fully and responded completely to the voice of his Father. Jesus came to live that life of perfect obedience for you and for me, doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. He came to fulfill all that Moses had written in the law 
and accomplished that all that Elijah and the prophets had foretold. He came down from the Mount of Transfiguration only to climb another, Mount Calvary, where he would suffer and die on the cross to pay the price of our sin and disobedience. Jesus did all of this because he listened to and acted on the voice of his Father. And having done all of this for us, we then are called to listen to him. The Lord who speaks to us calls us not only to active listening, but also to active living as his disciples in daily life. The scripture tells us in James, be doers of the word and not hearers only, thereby deceiving yourselves. The words we say, the things we do, our interactions with others, all of it should reflect a life that listens to our Lord and tries to do what he said. Charles Spurgeon, sometimes called the Prince of Preachers, had this quote, A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. If his life and doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. Our actions, friends, speak a whole lot louder than our words, particularly when those actions are in conflict of the word of God. I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit at work, in God's gifts to us of word and sacrament, of prayer and community, that active hearing will lead to active living. May our transfigured Lord Jesus Christ help us, especially during the upcoming season of Lent, that we may listen to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless.